You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Hi. Yes, I love you. But uh, my name is Rosemary, if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet. Um, I am the youth director here at Calvary, so I deal with all of our teenagers on Sunday evenings from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., so if you don't know me, that is what I do. I'm married, I have two wonderful bonus sons. Uh, They call me a bonus mom, not a stepmom, because stepmoms are always evil in the movies, and I'm not, so I'm a bonus mom. Bonus mom of two wonderful boys. Uh, They are, you know, both my greatest joy and my greatest demise. It's great. If you've met them, you understand. Uh, They're magnificent. Um, My husband is here this morning, and (laughs) Heather is so enthusiastic today, and I love it. And so is my mom, and I have this stage today, and I'm excited about that because both of them have a birthday tomorrow, so happy birthday. We're not gonna sing because that's not my job today. Today I'm preaching, not singing. So sometimes with the youth group, how I like to start off my sermons is with a little activity. You don't have to get up, don't panic. Cardio is also not my thing. So um, it's only gonna work though if you guys actually participate and you're honest when you participate. The teenagers kill it, they're really good at this, so don't let a bunch of teenagers show you up, okay? Okay, I need your participation. So we're going to close our eyes. And I'm gonna ask you some questions because this is an anonymous poll. So everybody needs to close their eyes. Maybe not the camera guy. Colin, keep your eyes open back there, my guy. Everybody else though, close your eyes. I'm gonna ask you some questions and I will tell you when to raise your hand if it applies to you, okay? All right, I'm looking around. Everybody's eyes need to be closed. All right, so for the first question, with everyone's eyes closed, raise your hand if you invited someone that doesn't typically go to church to join you in church this morning. Okay, okay, they don't have to be here, just that like you invited them. Okay, you can go ahead and put your hands down. Keep your eyes closed. Put that hand up if you invited that person and they're not related to you. There's just a random person, acquaintance, friend. Okay, you can go ahead and put that hand down, but keep your eyes shut. Now put your hand up if that person is the opposite of you. Someone that doesn't look like you or act like you or do what you do. Okay, you can go ahead and put that hand down. Keep your eyes closed. Now put your hand up if you can think of one person that you know could use Jesus but you haven't asked them to come to church because well, they're just not the church type and you feel like that conversation might be awkward or uncomfortable. Okay, you can put your hands down and you can open your eyes because I have a couple of more questions but I need you to continue to be honest for me for this to you know, work. This is our very last question actually. So I want us to see each other's responses to this one though. Raise your hand if you were once unchurched and someone invited you to church or told you about Jesus or in my case, made it rain Bibles. If you know my story, you will understand that. If you don't know my story, I love to meet you, we'll go for coffee or something and I'll tell you about it, but the Lord made it rain Bibles. But, um, so go ahead and raise your hand. If you were unchurched and somebody invited you to church, somebody told you about Jesus and that's how you wound up here today. That's it? 
Everybody else just kind of like, that's a cool building, I'm gonna walk inside. <laughs> okay, good enough, good enough. All right, you can go ahead and put your hands down. Thank you for playing, you guys did fairly well. The teenagers, I think, still did a little bit better, but that's okay, we won't judge you. I was once the type of person that most of you would have been uncomfortable inviting, inviting to church. I, um, let's see, I got my septum pierced. I had a septum nose ring, if you know what that is. If you don't, my mom told me I looked like a bull. So just <laughs> picture that. Um, she told me I would hate it, and I did, but I kept it for like a year because I couldn't let her know that she was right. Uh, yeah. So my hair was, oh gosh, purple, green, blue, pink, orange, some of those all at one time. Those of you that were here for my earlier stages at Calvary, everybody referred to me as the mermaid-haired singer because it was rainbow, because I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Um, it'll probably be rainbow again at some point. I just really like fun hair. Um, I would, sorry, I keep pacing, so Colin's back there like, whew, whew, whew. it's fine. He's one of my teenagers, so good luck, Colin. <laughs> good job, good job. But, so, I would sit at the bar literally like all night. I'd get out of work and I would go to this bar called TJ's in New Stanton. If you know it, they had the best French fries. It's now closed, but I, it's closed because I don't go there anymore. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> for real, I think I paid for most of their vehicles. I was there all the time, all the time. I cussed like a sailor. I would beat men, grown men in drinking games. And in my mind, at that time, I was living my best life. But I was broken. I was flawed, I was hopelessly lost, but I didn't know it. Like I said, at that time while I was in it, I thought I was living the best version of me. I had friends, they came to church, but it wasn't the place for me. Jesus wasn't for me. I didn't fit the mold of Christianity. Let's look at it like a marathon, okay? I have no place in signing up for a marathon tomorrow. Okay, I know, shocking, right? You're like, wow, really? I thought you'd kill it. No, it would kill me. Quite literally, before I hit mile one, I would probably drop over dead because my body is not conditioned to run a marathon. Shocking, right? But that's how I used to look at church. I looked at church like I wasn't someone that belonged there because I did not look like or act like or talk like the people that you would find in a church. And I felt like it was unreachable to me. I felt like it was in comparison like that marathon. My body, my spirit, my mind was not where it should be in order to be in this church. I was too broken, I was too flawed, I was too sus, as the kids would say nowadays. No one told me any different. No one told me that there was a place for me and that Jesus literally said, come as you are. If you study the ministry of Jesus, you'll find that he spent a significant amount of his time, most of his time, all of his time, as a rabbi. He spent a lot of his time debunking the myths that people had been taught about God and about faith. He said, I know you've heard it said like this, but I'm gonna say it like this. I know you've been taught to look at it this way, but let's rotate it and give you a new perspective and way to look at it. So he came on the scene and confronted a lot of false beliefs about faith, religion, and God. Many of the spiritual leaders of that day made the focus on the outside. You had to get your act together, you had to keep up appearances, and you had to follow all of the rituals and the rules. But then Jesus came along and he said, 
I know that you've been taught that it's about what's on the outside, but it's not. It's, what about, it, it's about what's on the inside because then that comes to shine on the outside. But that's not how they understood it at the time. For many of them, they learned to keep a smile on the outside, keep up appearances, make sure everyone knew that they had it all together. And they didn't have any problems, no worries or concerns. They were all highly blessed and highly favored. But God said, man may look on the outside, but I look at your heart. But that was hard for the people to accept. And this may be hard for some of us to believe. I know, this may be hard for some of us to believe. But in that culture, sorry, I lost my place. Oh, that culture created an environment in the temple where certain people didn't feel welcome. And I know that this is hard for us to imagine, right? Never us. It's hard for us to imagine. But some people didn't feel welcome in the house of God. And I know that none of us would ever judge somebody. But they made things like the way people dress like a really big deal. I know it's hard for us to picture this, but they'd get uncomfortable if somebody got too expressive with how they worshiped. Back then when people came to worship, they felt like they had to have it all together. Like they couldn't have problems, their families couldn't be struggling. And again, this is back then. This isn't something that we have trouble with today, right? <laughs> but back then, the house of God became a place that wasn't safe. It wasn't safe to talk about your troubles, to deal with your hurts or your failures. So the people were made to believe some things that weren't true about Jesus. But Jesus came to debunk those myths and to explain that what he actually wants is for you to often worship. Instead of rituals, he wants relationship. Instead of acting more righteous than you really are, he actually seeks brokenness. More of us than we care to admit either came here in a broken state, have experienced a broken state, or are walking through a broken state. Being broken, I know is shocking, but it's okay. So then why do we not let our friends, our family, our acquaintances that we know that are struggling know about this place for the broken and the flawed? We see in scripture over and over how Jesus was broken and rejected. He was the perfect son of God, yes, but to others he appeared flawed and broken. Mind-blowing, right? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, it says this. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. This says the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Now a cornerstone, for those of you that don't know, is the most significant stone in important buildings. It's usually the very first stone that's laid at a formal ceremony. It usually has an inscription or a date or a name of dedication. So it should come as no surprise to us that Jesus is called the cornerstone. 
When God refers to Jesus as the rejected cornerstone, it carries profound significance for the broken. Just as a cornerstone is crucial in the construction of a building, Jesus is foundational to our faith and our salvation. However, the rejection of Jesus by some symbolizes the rejection that many broken individuals may experience in their lives today. For those who feel rejected, abandoned, or broken, Jesus, being the rejected cornerstone, offers hope and comfort and relativity. It means that Jesus intimately understands their pain and struggles because he himself experienced rejection and suffering. Despite being rejected by some, Jesus still became the cornerstone of God's redemptive plan. Demonstrating that even in our brokenness, God can use us for his divine purpose. Continuing in that fashion, the rejection of Jesus ultimately led to his triumph over sin, over death, through his resurrection. This victory assures the broken that their pain and their rejection do not define who they are. Through Jesus, they can find healing, restoration, and a sense of belonging in God's kingdom. In essence, the rejected cornerstone signifies that God's plan transcends human rejection and brokenness. It offers hope to the broken, assuring them that in Christ they are accepted, they are valued, and they are deeply loved by God. Now, a little before this, in the same part of 1 Peter, it says, as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by man, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Just as stones are solid and enduring, the term living stones suggests that believers are spiritually alive and vibrant. Through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, believers experience new life in Christ, characterized by vitality, growth, and resilience. The concept of believers as living stones emphasizes their interconnectedness and unity in Christ. Just as individual stones are essential, building blocks in the construction of a larger structure, each believer plays a unique and indispensable role in the body of Christ. So why are we letting our friends, family, and community continue to suffer and sit in their brokenness? Why aren't we introducing them to the one who says, I was rejected too, but God? Why aren't we inviting them to sit at our table where brokenness is exchanged for beauty? Now, when I preach to teenagers, teenagers always wanna know like, well, what do you do? Do you do that? You don't do that. I do do that. There's a section over here. <laughs> it's kind of small today, but it's okay. <laughs> There's a section over here that has people in it that Pastor Nick always used to refer to as Rosemary's section because when I found out about Jesus, I wanted everyone to know about Jesus because I didn't wanna leave them in the dark. I didn't wanna leave them in the broken. I didn't wanna leave them in the lonely because that's where I sat for so long, unbeknownst to me that that's where I was. Again, I thought I was living my best life, but then Jesus. And I was like, whoa, this is my best life. 
This is where I'm at. When I walked through those doors in 2018, I found out about a God that loves me. I found out about a man that gave his life for me while I was sitting in my lonely, rejected brokenness, thinking that nobody cared, nobody wanted me. I mean, besides my mom, she's great, you know, like she's awesome, but you know what I mean, right? When you're in your 20s and you're single and you're out there wandering by yourself and you're drinking all the time and you're like, what is life? Like, I'm so lonely, I'm so depressed, I'm so sad. And then I walked through those doors and I found out that there was God and a man who gave his life. Every romance novel you read or rom-com that you watch, there's always a man, right? He like lays down his jacket so the lady can like walk over the puddle and not ruin her shoes, right? I'm, I'm glad I did that, I didn't fall. Hey, but anyways, I was real close there. <laughs> but there's always a man, right, who like sacrifices things for this woman that he loves and you're like, it's just a movie. But men, this is good news for you too, okay? I'm just a lady, so that's my perspective. But there is a man who gave his life for all of us collectively. We have that love. We have that grace. We have that peace. We have that connection. We have that intimacy. And that is with Jesus. And we can't keep that a secret. Our sermon series this, I was gonna say this week, but it's the whole month, I think, right? Yeah. But this sermon series that we have this whole month is talking about God's plan A and how there is no plan B. Guess what? Newsflash, wake up. You're plan A. I'm plan A. Our great commission in the Bible says to go and make disciples. You are the hands and you are the feet of Jesus, each and every one of us in here. If this is your first day that you walked into this church, first of all, welcome. I'm the crazy one and that's okay. I only preach like maybe three times a year, so come back next week, okay? <laughs> Pastor Nick's a little more hinged. I'm a little unhinged, but that's fine, right? We're all beautiful in God's eyes. But if this is your first day here, welcome. But it is now your job, okay? If you are here to commit your life to Christ, you're a part of the kingdom. You're a part of the family. You're a part of the Great Commission. Go, tell your friends, tell your family, tell those people that are sad and broken and depressed and they need peace and grace and mercy and love that there is a man who loves them so deeply that he literally gave his life so that we could live eternally with his love, with his grace, with his peace. Now I am not one of those Christians that's like, my life is perfect. Nothing bad ever happens to me. I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. No, bad crap still happens. I just said crap on the stage, <laughs> which means the next bad thing that happens is I'll probably get fired, but it's okay. <laughs> just kidding, I hope. But bad stuff still happens, okay? Life is hard. Life is messy. Life is sticky. My husband and I go through it, okay? We have things that we deal with, and again, if you wanna know them, I'll tell them to you. I'm transparent, but we don't got time for all that, so meet me for coffee. I love coffee, I love lunch and dinner, <laughs> snacks. I'm there, okay? Even if there's not snacks, I'll still hang out with you, but meet me. I would love to meet you. I'd love to talk to you about my life and how crazy and sticky and messy it actually is. But God is present in all of it, 
And that is how I can still have the joy. Even in the sticky, even in the messy, even in the brokenness that still happens, I'm not saying that I'm happy all the time and there's times I'm not sad. Just a couple weeks ago, Hannah, we were at a leader's thing and I was like a court low and she's like, are you good? And I'm like, I'm just a little sad this week. We're just, we're going through the sticky right now and I'm a little sad and I'm a little broken, but I know I'm gonna be okay. And that is what matters. It's that I know I'm gonna be okay. I know that God's got this and even though I'm a little sad right now and I'm a little broken right now, but God, that is the hope. That is the hope that people need. That is the promise that people need. And that is our job to tell people about that. This isn't a secret that we wanna keep. This is news that we wanna spread. There are plenty of chairs in here, okay? If someone sits in your seat, I'm sorry. Find another one. Just be happy that they're here. Or you can be like, I'm so happy you're here. Welcome, but that's my chair. Okay? Invite people. There's plenty of chairs for everybody. There's plenty of room in this building. And I know Pastor Nick is on fire to maybe start a second service. I'm not, because that means I have to get up earlier. But if it means Jesus, I'm here for it, okay? Spread the word. Spread the love. Spread the joy. Talk to people. It doesn't have to be weird. If you know somebody that you're not comfortable talking to, I'll talk to them. Make the connection. I'm weird. I fit with the weird. I'm here for it. I'll introduce all the weird to Jesus, okay? I'll help you out. As we begin to wrap up our time here today, though, I want you to think about that one person that we rose our hand for earlier, that one person that needs to be here, that one person that we're hesitant to invite because we're just not sure that it'll be received well. Think about that person. And I wanna challenge you. I challenge you to have one spiritual conversation with them. It doesn't have to be like, you don't have to speak in tongues or anything like that, okay? But just tell them about Jesus. That's what I mean about spiritual. Like, hey, I know that maybe you think this isn't for you, but as my friend, I feel the need to tell you. Like, you should try church. Just try it one time. Come with me to church. Invite them here. Invite them to sit with you. Introduce them to your people. Introduce them to me. And then they'll be like, wow, I'm not as weird as her. Maybe I do belong here. Okay? I'll make them feel better about themselves. It's fine. But invite them. Invite them to sit in your row. Maybe sit in your seat. I know. That's a big step there, right? Maybe not that far. We can't go that far. Don't sit in my chair. But pray for them. If they say no, if they say no, don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Just pray. Pray for that person. And then maybe in a few weeks, revisit the conversation. It's miraculous what God can do. He can soften their hearts. You don't need to change their heart. That's not your job. That's God's job. So just pray that God cracks that heart of stone just a little bit because cracks are where the light get in. And that light is Jesus. That light is God. That light is hope. That light is peace. That light is grace. Just continue to pray for them. If you see somebody at Walmart and they look like they're going through it, a single mom that just looks stressed out or maybe a married mom that just looks stressed out because that's me, I'm that mom at Walmart. Especially if my kids are with me and they're grabbing everything. I'm like, we're not rich. We cannot buy the Walmart, okay? But you don't have to walk up to a stranger. I know that's awkward. I do, but I'm super extroverted and I want everyone to be my friend. My husband 
is probably rolling his eyes like, we don't have time for more friends, but we do, it's fine. <laughs> but if you're not as extroverted as me, just say a silent prayer in your head. Be like, God, just be with that person today. They look like they're going through it. Just be, put someone that they know maybe in their path to tell them about your light, about your peace, about your grace, and about your hope. Just pray. It's as easy as that. Pray for the words, pray for the discernment, pray for God's guidance, and he'll show up in the craziest ways, the craziest ways. And it'll be so well received. You wanna know why? Because God's there. It's not gonna be awkward. That person's gonna be like, wow, I am going through it. I really needed this today. And then they might leave and be like, what was that? What just happened? Why did I talk to that person? But you know it's because God was there and God intervened and God showed up. As Jesus said, the church, like a hospital, isn't for the healthy. It's for the sick. It's for the broken. It's for the lost. If you're here and your life is good and you know Jesus and he sits in your heart, I love that. As someone say, I love that journey for you. But share it. Share it. Invite the sick. Join them to sit with you. Join them to pray with you. Join them, ask them to join you to pray with them. There we go, English, it's fundamental. But invite them. Don't be scared, don't be nervous. Just pray first and then proceed. God will show up. The Holy Spirit will show up and come out through you and reach them in a place that they feel unreachable. And then this church will be full and we'll have to go to second service and I'll have to get up earlier. But I'll be happy about it. It'll be amazing. And you'll feel love and you'll feel God and you'll feel Jesus like you never have before. God, I just wanna thank you. Thank you for every person in this church this morning, God. Thank you for those of, that are joining us online, Lord. I ask God that you give every person in this building and joining us online a nudge, a nudge of their heart, a nudge of their spirit, Lord. I ask God that you give them discernment in deciding who they need to reach out to, God. I ask you, Lord, that you give them the words. I ask you, God, that you give them the direction and that you give them the peace of their anxieties, Lord. If they're anxious about it, God, I just ask that you give them this undeniable, overwhelming peace, Lord, to have the courage, God, to step out in faith and to find the broken, to find the flawed, to find the ones that need to be here, much like myself, God, just like I used to be, God. I ask, Lord, that you fill this building with the broken, you fill this building with the flawed, and then you feel those broken and flawed with your word, with your love, with your peace, with your mercy, and with your grace, Lord. I ask God that you bless every individual in here and joining us online, God. I ask that they feel your peace and your mercy and your grace if they're walking through the broken, God. Remind them that you are there, walking with them hand in hand. Give them that hope, Lord, that this valley will end it may seem like it won't, but it does. They will reach the other side, God. Lord, we just ask all of these things in your heavenly, holy, and powerful name. Amen.
This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 